Kokakan. So today is Thursday, the 3rd of March, 2022. We have this opportunity now, this time, to sit in meditation and to cultivate our mindfulness so that it stays in the present moment. And all of the sensory experiences that we have throughout the day, all these things that come into our hearts, we take all of that personally in terms of me and mine. It's all a matter of self. And so we can say that there's this delusion there within our minds. And what we see is the illusions of that delusion. And the Buddha, he came to know about the qualities, the dhammas, that they arise dependent upon each other. This Paticca uh, Samupada. And so these dhammas, they depend on other qualities in order to arise. And when that's the case, then there isn't any true self to them. So when this thing exists, then this thing comes into being. When there's delusion, there's ignorance, then there'll be craving and clinging, which gives rise to becoming and birth. And when there's knowledge, however, then there won't be this proliferation and a self won't arise. So there won't be craving, there won't be clinging, and suffering doesn't come up. So this is the process which occurs in the minds of all beings, and it goes very quickly. And so the Buddha came to know about this, and how all throughout the day this process is going on in our hearts constantly as dependent origination. And if we don't train our mindfulness to be well established, if we don't have sampajanya, as clear knowing, then we can never gain knowledge into the truth. So in training our mindfulness so that it gains knowledge, what we do is we recollect the body, the feelings, the mind and the Dhamma, and these are the four foundations of mindfulness. These four things that uh, form a basis for our sati. So when we sit in meditation, and then we have mindfulness here over the breath, knowing the in-breath and the out-breath is the object of our mind, is the basis of recollection for our hearts. And even though the mind may go off to proliferate about many different things outside, it may remember something in the past and may proliferate about something which hasn't yet arisen. And we try to bring the mind back because if it goes off like this, then it won't be peaceful and it won't be in the present moment. So we need to bring up this effort, trying to establish our mindfulness, keep it here in the present moment. All of the goodness that we create the generosity that we do, the various ways that we sacrifice in helping many beings. This is all means of reducing, uh, letting go of our selfishness. So people who have wisdom, they'll put effort into abandoning unwholesome deeds, 
giving rise to meritorious deeds. And they have faith in the teachings of the Buddha, these teachings which form the path that lead us out of suffering so that we can meet with true happiness, this genuine happiness of Nibbāna. And Nibbāna, it's a Dhamma that is higher and more exalted than any other Dhamma. And every single mind has the ability to develop so that it can see the truth and realize Nibbāna. So the Buddha, he came to know about this path. And that when we have generosity and we've built up goodness, and then we see the drawbacks and the harms in unskillful acts of body and speech. And so we come to keep the precepts to have sila. And the sila, it's a noble wealth that gives us great benefit, that gives rise to inner coolness and peace. We see how the external wealth in this world, our houses, for example, it's possible for them to break apart, that these things, they're not sure, they're unstable. And really it's normal for them to be unstable in this way. They always have been. But it's also possible that uh, humans can uh, make this happen faster. They can destroy it through war, for example. Or there may be earthquakes or floods or fires. But when we have sila, and this is an internal wealth, a noble wealth, and when we come to sit like we are now, then we feel at ease because of this virtue that we have. We have a body and speech which is peaceful, which doesn't cause any agitation, it doesn't harm any being. And there's goodness to it, there's skillfulness to it. And so we bring about skillfulness to completion through our practice. We have, and this brings a lot of merit, it gives us a lot of benefit. Because what we gain through our practice is the wisdom that can solve all of the problems within our heart. So therefore we should try to practice in this way. And when we do so, and the mind becomes still and peaceful. And then both the body and the heart can feel very light. And the five kinds of rapture can arise. It may feel like our hands or our feet vanish, or like our entire body disappears. Like we're sitting here and just feeling very buoyant. Or if our samadhi becomes well established and sustained, then it can feel like we're sitting in midair. We don't have any body at all. And this can be very clear within the heart. And even the breath can disappear without our intending for that to happen. And this shows that one level of samadhi is coming up. There's one degree of peace there. And in this state, perhaps the condition or the state of the Dharma can arise. We may see nimittas come up. There may be lights and colors uh, that we see, but we need to be cautious here as well and not allow our minds to chase after these things, but rather to establish our mindfulness. Because the fact that these things are able to arise is due to the peace in our hearts. But if we lose our mindfulness, and the heart runs after them, 
then it will lose its peace. So we need to be cautious about these nimittas, these things which pull us outside of the path of practice, but try to stay here in the present moment. And even though this may be difficult to do, when we've trained in it already, then it's possible for peace to come up for us. So some people have a certain disposition to them, which means that it's difficult for them to stay with the breath or to stay with this word of Buddha. But maybe when they contemplate, then the mind can stay with that. And so they should just try and think about one thing, one theme. For example, contemplating this body, separating it into different heaps, hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin, and seeing these things, contemplating them as being unstable and constant. Because really, from the moment that these bodies were born, they've always been undergoing change. They've never stayed stable. The organs and all the various parts of the body are always changing. When we contemplate into this, then it's possible for peace to steadily grow. And the mind doesn't get distracted and go thinking about other things. And we feel at ease inside ourselves. So maybe when that happens, we can return to looking at the breath and stay using the breath as our meditation object. And then when the mind gains more peace, we can come back and contemplate the body once more. Because the first time that we contemplated was for the sake of inner peace. But when we've gained that peace already, then we can come back and contemplate anew in order to gain clarity of vision. Perhaps we see the state of these bodies and the state of conditioned phenomena and how they're just a heap of earth, water, fire and air. And then the mind gains this inner contentment and inner happiness. And sometimes when samadhi gathers together, this can come in different points in the body. It may be in our forehead, maybe the tip of the nose, it may be at our chest. And it can really become compact at that one point. And there can be a lot of happiness that arises. And the mind really gathers, it can feel like a rock, just coming together, compact. And the mind it doesn't become shaken by any of the sense objects that it experiences. There's this firm peace there within it. And then we contemplate separating the elements out once more, seeing the body disintegrate and seeing how it's something that is impermanent and something that doesn't endure and that doesn't have a true self to it. It's anatta like this. So we take the mind to see the body as being anatta and then joy arises because of the clarity of our understanding in the Dhamma. So normally we have the feeling that these things are me and mine. And this is a wrong view. This is delusion there in our minds. And so we need some time that we can bring the mind to peace and make it spacious, make it at ease. 
and then contemplate to see how there isn't any genuine self there. But we need to train the mind in order to get there, because normally it has pleasure and lust towards forms, and the defilements have been there in our minds for such a long time. There's this <coughs> Sakaya Ditti and Vichikicha and Silabhata Bharamasa, and this self-view and skeptical doubts and attachments to rites and rituals. And these are the first forms of wrong view. But when we have meditated, then we can change these, and we can see instead into not-self and destroy these wrong views. The mind becomes empty, it becomes pure. There's this purity that arises within it. So the objects that give rise to insight are anicca, dukkha, anatta, it's inconstancy, suffering, and not-self. And so we contemplate this body as such. And when peace is established in the heart, then we'll gain wisdom there. So when we practice in this way, using contemplation, this is the way of taking our wisdom to give rise to samadhi. So with the development of samadhi, there are two ways of doing this. And some people use thinking, they use a lot of wisdom. If they just try and stay with the breath or with buddha, this is very hard for them to do. Their minds like to proliferate, and so they should take that proliferation and those thoughts to contemplate, investigating this body, seeing it as anicca, dukkha, anatta, separating the mind out from its objects. And when we do this, then it can gain freedom, can attain lokutara, abiding above the world. And even though this is a temporary experience, it is still tatanga vimuti, this temporary liberation. And we're able to let go of its attachments temporarily, but those attachments then pull it back. So we need to carry on training. But sometimes it can be not long for this wisdom to arise, gaining this clarity, seeing the Dhamma. And like one bhikkhuni, she was taking water to wash her feet, and as she watched the water seep and disappear into the sand, she gained knowledge into uh, anicca, into inconstancy. And through that, she became a sotapanna. Then the second time, she washed her feet. Then she became a sakadagami. And the third time, anagami. And the fourth time, arahant. So this was because her samadhi was well established and sustained. And so wisdom can arise. And when wisdom comes up, it comes up in a flash. We gain this understanding. And that understanding, it happens very quickly. But in order to gain that, we need to build up our barami for a very long time. 
But when our mindfulness can, our samadhi can be sustained, and we contemplate separating the body out into the elements, seeing them as anicca, then the mind separates out from it, and we gain an understanding into the Dhamma. And here we know that the methods of practice that we've been using are correct, that these really do solve the suffering there within our hearts, because our mind has gained this temporary freedom from attachments already. And so we carry on doing this every single day, being consistent in our practice, meditating every day, contemplating every day, until the mind gains more and more energy, and so we can see into the truth every day. And so as we build up this, then next we'll gain another flash of insight. The mind gathers together, sila, samadhi, and panya, as virtue, collectedness, and wisdom gathered together. And this gives rise to bhavana, maya panya, the wisdom that comes through meditation, this clear knowledge in our hearts. So this is clearer than anything, any knowledge that we've gained before. But this does accumulate in stages. And when it really comes together, when the mind comes together, then it decides once and for all that this is not self. And it changes its wrong view into right view. And the things that bind over the heart, these three fetters, of uh, self-view and skeptical doubt, attachments to rites and rituals, and the heart becomes relieved of them. And so we know that other practices, other ways, they don't lead us to freedom from suffering. We don't have any doubts there within our practice, that these things, they're all finished with And we know that this is the means to bring our minds to purity, to seeing the Dhamma. All conventions that previously we took as self, we see that there's no true self there. The things that we took to be self, we see as not self. And through perceiving this, then we realize the true self. But normally we believe that there is a genuine self there. We don't see that it's something that isn't true. But when we see through that illusion into its truth, then we see the true self. But if we take things as being self, then we are deluded. So when we see the truth and how into not-self, and see into the true self, then we see the Dhamma and we gain Dhamma. So in our practice, in the beginning, we need to depend upon effort, upon sincerity and forbearance, and to bring up these qualities very frequently. Because if we don't, and if we don't practice, then we won't gain knowledge, we won't gain understanding. We'll still take everything as being me and mine, and so suffering will have to arise within our hearts and the hearts of all beings in this state. So we have this opportunity now 
We were very fortunate to be able to practice following the Dhamma of the Buddha, this path that can take us to freedom from suffering. And at the very least, what we need to gain, what we will gain, is a steady reduction in the suffering and the stress that we experience. And it's really difficult to find someone who is interested in meditating. And to have this interest, we must have built up a lot of bharami, spiritual perfections already. And people, when they have time off, when they have a holiday, for example, the weekend, then they are sincere in meditating and using that time to practice. And they sit in meditation each day. And there are some lay people who have put aside all their work and duties or who have given that to their children. And so they have the time to sit in meditation for maybe two hours. And they can see into the nature of the Dhamma, gain clear understanding. They have the faith to be generous, to help out in society, to care for others. And they do this constantly. They have this great energy in that work. And then they come to focus on the practice of meditation as well. So through doing this, then they're close to the Buddha. And that's because they have mindfulness. So may you have effort in this, using wisdom to bring the mind to peace, or staying with the breath, staying with Buddha. And these are methods that take us to seeing the Dhamma. And there's no need to doubt about this at all. That it's written in the scriptures that some meditation (coughs) objects, they can only lead as far as Upajara's neighborhood, Samadhi. And so we may doubt, that will I be able to see the Dharma through this? We've read that through recollecting the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, through recollecting death or our sacrifices or recollecting the Deva, or the Devas, and this can only bring about Upajara, Samadhi. But when we develop these objects, then the mind comes into peace. It gains the state of Upajara Samadhi, and then we can move on to watching the breath. And the mind becomes very still, and it comes to one point, the mind in one point on one object. So we don't need to doubt about this at all. At this point, then, even if we want the mind to think, it won't be able to think because it's so still. And before, the mind was really frantic, thinking all over the place, and we wanted to be peaceful. It was really tough to do. But when the mind gains this quiet and this stillness of peace, then even if we try to get it to think, it can't think. It's there in one point, and there's this peace gathered in one place. So may you have effort and energy in practicing the Dhamma. And when we gain this deep peace, then this will provide us the means to understanding the Dhamma, and this understanding grows and grows. So whatever meditation objects we use that bring about peace, that are effective for us, then we should do those, we should use those, and have confidence in those methods. 
And so may you train your mind like this. And those who do so are ones who are not heedfulless, not heedful, heedless rather. So may you set your hearts on this. <laughs>